Nyata, hello. My name is Alison and I pastor a little church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary. We're based on Peak Warren Country in Warrnambool. Today I'm looking at Jesus' encounter with the Canaanite woman. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, though I also refer to the feeding stories in chapters 14 and later in chapter 15, and Jesus' words on what defiles us. So let's begin. I'm from one of the oldest families, he said. We've been here since the beginning. And with that, he effectively erased 60,000 years or more of continuous living culture, just as his Irish ancestors had tried to erase the people from the land. He's a lovely guy, well-meaning and gentle, and he was totally oblivious to what he had just done. This is what happens when you're raised in a colony. You become blind to the colonised and your own complicity. You defend your own righteousness and vehemently deny your racism. And you justify yourself through contempt for those dogs who can't get their lives together. Well, they should be grateful, said someone else. Without us, they wouldn't have proper food and medicine or the Bible. It's just pathetic how they keep asking for handouts. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon, cried the Canaanite woman. Maybe the torment was addiction or poverty, or profound dislocation, or grief. Maybe it was PTSD or rheumatic heart disease, or the scars caused by imprisonment or sexual violence, or some other demon of the colonised. Whatever it was, the girl desperately needed healing, and her mother was driven to beg. But he did not answer her at all. Maybe he was thinking, I'm from one of the oldest families, a son of Abraham from the tribe of Judah, descended from King David himself. And this is the promised land. We, we've been here since the beginning. And with that, he effectively erased tens of thousands of years of continuous Canaanite culture and this woman from his awareness. But she persisted, and his disciples came and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. And he replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He still wasn't talking directly to her. Perhaps he was confused or offended by her demand. For he knew that Joshua, his namesake, had carried out a holy war against people like her. And he knew it had been justified through Torah. As it is written in Deuteronomy chapter 7, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess, and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations, larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. You must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. End quote. 
And hundreds of years ago, Joshua had tried to do just that. Enter, drive out, and destroy the seven nations living in the land. Show no mercy. Yet here was this woman very much alive, forcing herself into his consciousness as she shouted and demanded mercy. She came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And the reason most people think this is a genuine story is that it's so damn offensive. We'd prefer Jesus to be infinitely loving, infinitely compassionate, infinitely kind. That's the Jesus at the end of the story. He's not there yet. Instead, he threw a gut punch saying, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Mark's version uses different language. She's a sorrow Phoenician woman. The Pequorong woman, perhaps, or the Wurundjeri Bunurong woman. But Matthew uses what was by then an anachronism. The Canaanite woman, reminding Jewish readers exactly who she is in their history. Someone to be driven out, destroyed, shown no mercy. Someone who tempts Israel to forsake their God and go after idols. Someone for whom no true blue Israelite ever has compassion or even conversation. A filthy dog, a contaminating bitch, a louse-ridden scavenger to be avoided at all costs. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Yes, master, but who made me a dog? Who took my land, my language, my means of production, my children? Who sets the rules and limits on my life and sends my men to jail, even now? Who keeps me poor and begging? Who afflicts my daughter with demons? You're the master. You have the power and look what you have wrought. And in that moment, he repented. Like God once repented of sending the flood or of planning the destruction of Nineveh, this is a story of conversion. Maybe it was her mention of mercy which got him, a quality he kept harping on about. Blessed are the merciful, he'd said. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, he'd said. And here he was, denying mercy to someone who demanded it. And maybe he heard the filth spewing from his own mouth. The racist taunt which revealed the state of his heart. The violent words which defiled him. Maybe he realised that his first thought was simply cultural conditioning, as was his second and even his third. But at last he noticed, and he paused and took appropriate action. Or maybe it was her verbal jousting, vanquishing him in debate. His namesake conquered Canaan, but this Canaanite woman bested him. And so at last he was overthrown, and he healed her daughter, praising her faith as he did. And I dare to suggest that in that moment, he was healed too. 
healed of the racist ethnocentrism which always leads to violence. Healed of his arrogance, his self-righteousness. Healed of prioritising scripture and culture over love. Healed of his narrowness of vision for God's mercy, generosity and grace. For then he stayed in the Gentile region for some time. And great crowds came to him and he lavished God's healing upon them. And they were amazed and praised the God of Israel, a different God from the ones they had known. And when he fed a hungry crowd, there were seven baskets left over, signalling the seven Gentile nations that Joshua had once sought to destroy. At an earlier feeding, there had been twelve baskets left, one for each tribe of Israel. Shaped by his ancestry, culturally conditioned, my bread is only for Israel, he'd said. Dog, he'd said. Twelve baskets. But changed by his encounter with the Canaanite woman, now there was plenty for everyone. How long ago, Joshua had led an invasion, hunting down the peoples of seven nations to disperse and destroy. He'd used every weapon available to him and unleashed countless demons. In God's name, he showed no mercy. But his namesake went among them to minister and was open to challenge and change. And eventually he caught the vastness of God's mercy, driving out his own demons and those of the colonised, and they shared bread and healing. The colonizer decolonized and healed, the people of the land healed and fed, communion between all peoples, all praising God, a living reality, a picnic. Around us now voices are calling for mercy. Voices are seeking an end to demonic possession. They seek healing and hope for their children. Voices are demanding to be seen, to be heard, to be acknowledged. Voices are lobbying for justice for stolen land, stolen people, stolen wages. They are protesting race, racist policing and incarceration. They are calling for an agriculture which works with and not against the land. And gathering up so many of these voices is one voice, offering a generous, humble way forward. A small step towards healing the wounds of a nation which was founded on violence and theft and lies. And I wonder, will we listen? Can we admit the colonisation of our own hearts? and the cultural conditioning which shapes so many of our first thoughts. Are we truly open to repentance and change, and to the possibilities of our own healing? Can we participate in the vastness of God's mercy and generosity, sharing land and resource, access and power, fish and bread? She said, my daughter is tormented. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs. Even the Minerals Council has access to Parliament. Even the universities 
Even the big four banks and media titans are private health insurance companies. Even the consulting firms. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. God's will be done. God's love be shown. Amen. Now there's always more to read on our website. That's sanctuarybaptist.org. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. And if you'd like to support this work and these reflections, you can make a donation via PayPal. And you'll find the details for this on the website. And to those who already support us financially, thank you so much. This reflection was prepared on the lands of the Pequarung people of the Eastern Ma Nation. It's a land which was taken by force and has never been ceded and was horrifically cleared. Where once great she-oak forests grew, you now see paddocks groaning with cows. We have learned to look at emptiness and see beauty. The healing of the land, waterways and skyways, be our task and be with us all. Amen.